You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Friday, December 8th. The 49ers getting ready to host division rival Seattle Seahawks. In week 14, just two weeks after having played them the first time this season. And uh, I'm doing this uh, preview solo today. Uh, Lori's not feeling great. Lori, hope you feel better. Um, But we're going to get into this preview like we always do. And as you know, we start off looking at the weather. And so the weather, um, it's going to be sunny in well, kind of sunny in Santa Clara. There's going to be some clouds, uh, high of 63 on the day and some clouds later in the day. So with the game starting around uh, 1 p.m. Pacific, uh, you can expect that weather will be in the 60s. I know some people were worried about the rain, 2% chance of rain. I don't think it's much of a worry at all for this one. Some winds, um, but as always, like, California weather is going to be favorable to the 49ers. So I'm really not worried about it for them in this game. Now, the injuries is kind of the big one uh, for the 49ers and the Seahawks this week, starting off with Ross Dwelly, who, you know, he's dealing with a high ankle sprain. So he's going to be out a few weeks. Enter Zach Gertz, right? Potentially. Um, But, of course, Zach Gertz hasn't made a decision on which team he's going to join, which contender he's going to join. So um, it's going to be a mix of, well, George Kittle, Charlie Warner, and expect Braden Willis to be active for this game as well. And the other big out um, designation here is Eric Armstead, who's dealing with not just a foot injury, but also a knee injury this time around as well. Um, And that's kind of a big blow for the defensive line. Uh, But there are some guys who I think could step up, a number of guys, actually. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. But obviously, that's a big one for the 49ers defense. And finally, uh, wide receiver Ray Ray McLeod is going to be out once again. This probably means that Debo Samuel is going to be returning punts or, or kicks. I think it was kicks that he was returning. And it was Ronnie Bell on punts. Uh, so expect to see that once again uh, this week against the Seahawks. I actually kind of liked seeing Debo uh, on return duty. So we'll see if he can break one this week. And uh, there's a few players on the 49ers side who are doubtful for this game. Right guard Spencer Burford dealing with a knee injury. Elijah Mitchell also back on the injury report dealing with a knee injury. And rookie corner Darrell Luter dealing with the hamstring. That's a blow for the special teams. I liked what he was doing on special teams. So hate to see another um, promising contributor in Daryl Luter, um, you know, missing likely to miss time on Sunday on the Seahawks side, a lot of names on the list, but they're all questionable. All right. Geno Smith uh, tops that list dealing with the groin injury. He, uh, I guess, tweaked his groin yesterday's practice Thursday and Pete Carroll, you know, he he's going to milk it for all it's worth. If it's worth anything at all saying, you know, they're going to have to see if he can go uh, before the game and warm up. So pretty much calling him a game time decision. Now 
I don't know if that's just gamemanship from uh, Pete Carroll. I'm leaning towards Geno Smith is going to play, but something to keep an eye on. Um, if Geno Smith does not play, it would mean that Drew Locke would be in line to start at quarterback for the Seahawks. Of course, even if Geno Smith plays, there's that chance of re-aggravation, right? That he needs to exit the game. Also a chance that we see uh, Drew Locke in this game uh, for the Seahawks. Now, a couple of their running backs are questionable. Kenneth Walker, who missed the game in Week 12, uh, and Zach Charbonnet dealing with a knee injury. Both of those guys practiced in full on Friday, so I would expect both of those guys, both of the running backs, are going to be active for this game, if I had a guess. Uh, Jordan Brooks dealing with the ankle injury, questionable. Uh, corner Trey Brown with a heel. Uh, Jerron Reed dealing with the hamstring. He's he's a pretty notable one for their defensive line. But ultimately, when I see questionable, I tend to think most of those guys, if if not all of them, are going to play. So that's how we're going to treat this preview episode. I'm going to assume that all of those questionable guys for the Seahawks are going to play, and we'll go through, of course, the cautious and uh, favorable matchups for the 49ers. Let me look at some comments here. Uh, hey, I recognize this person here. Dre Greenlaw, that like button. Uh, make sure you hit that like, hit that subscribe if you haven't yet. Technique Sheik says, seeing Debo on return duty reminded me of the 2021 playoff game against Green Bay when he did that too. Yes, absolutely. It's it's few and far between that we see Debo in that spot, but we know how electric he could be. Like I said, when he hits that second gear, uh, he's pretty good, so... Um, hopefully we'll see if he can break one or get a good return, help the 49ers out in a uh, field position in this one. What's going on, Rick? He says, good evening. How's it going, Niners? Um, Steve-O says, why can't we kinlaw that like button? Well, I mean, you know what? You can kinlaw it. You can uh, Fred Warner it if you want. You know, whatever, Debo, you know, whatever player, uh, you like to hit that like button too? Hey, let's do it. All right. <laughs> Whatever will get you to hit it is okay with me. Um, Grizz asks, does this team remind us of the 1994 team? Now, I was three years old in 1994, but from people that I've heard who were alive at that point in time, and it's not just we're alive, but I guess we're watching 49ers games at that point in time. A lot of them do compare this team to what they saw back then. And I think based on that, it's probably a fair comparison. And earlier in the week, I did share the 49ers are uh, one of the top 10 teams since 1981 in total DVOA on the season. So as far as their offense goes, they're up there with the best of them that we've seen since the 80s. So yeah, I think it's fair to to say they could be on that level. Um, Steve-O said, I think it could be better. That's also fair. I mean, the season's not done yet. There's still work to be done with this team, right? I think if they go all the way, it'll definitely go a long way in uh, making that argument for, for some people. Um, but let's dive into these matchups, right? As always, you know how we do on these preview episodes, deep dive into all of the matchups. Now, this one's kind of a weird one because the 49ers played the Seahawks 
just two weeks ago. So I'm what I'm going to do in this show is revisit the cautious and favorable matchups that me and Lori had uh, for that game in week 12 and see if they still stick two weeks later. You have to imagine most of them do, but we have a little more context this time. So let's go through them, right? So I'm going to start with the cautious matchup first. Notice that I didn't say plural. Just one. Just one cautious matchup in this game, I think, for the 49ers. Week 12, um, I said that a cautious matchup for the 49ers was the Seahawks defensive line against this 49ers offensive line. Now, not much has changed, but now we have a little more context from week 12. And my one cautious matchup for this week in week 14 is now a little more specific, all right? This time, it's Boye Mafe and Leonard Williams against the right side of the 49ers offensive line. So a little more drilled down of a, a cautious matchup uh, for this 49ers team based on what I saw in week 12. So obviously, pass protection has been an issue for the 49ers. They are below average. I say this literally every week, every preview episode, and, you know, it's well-documented, and I say it here all the time, too, that Brock Purdy has been doing a lot to kind of, you know, mask the deficiencies of the offensive line, in, in particular the pass blocking of the offensive line. And as we saw last week against the Eagles, one way to work around their uh, the Eagles' aggressive defensive front was the 49ers going to that quick passing game uh, and then relying on yards after the catch. Now, they hadn't needed to rely on that pretty much all season. Like, that was the first time in a long time in much of the season that we had seen the 49ers really have a game plan surrounded uh, or revolved around yards after the catch. And it was because it was necessary against the Eagles' defensive front. Now, against the Seahawks defensive line, they didn't have to do that much. And I, again, I wouldn't expect that to change. In fact, in week 12, Brock Purdy's time to throw was 3.41. That was one of his longest time to throws of the season. Um, I will say this, though. One of the players I was worried about going into week 12 was Boye Mafe, as I mentioned. He leads the team with 42 pressures, 31 hurries, 7 sacks. And in week 12, he had four pressures, four hurries, three tackles. Uh, you know, the defensive lineman I'm most worried about, though, in this matchup, seeing how week 12 unfolded, I think is Leonard Williams. This will be his third time playing the 49ers this season. Uh, he played the 49ers in week three as a member of the Giants. And in that game, he had a sack as well as two quarterback hits. In week 12, as a member of the Seahawks, remember he was traded midseason, um, and so as a member of the Seahawks two weeks ago, he had seven pressures, which was a season high for him, two quarterback hits, five hurries. He didn't have a sack in that game, but he was disruptive. He was moving Brock out of the pocket. I would expect to see that once again. The reason for that is because Spencer Burford, who has struggled this year at right guard, he is doubtful. So we will see John Feliciano starting at right guard in his place. Now, what's kind of funny about that is that Spencer Burford was also out in week 12. Uh, and so we did see John Feliciano start against the Seahawks in that game. And, well, Feliciano gave up four pressures, four hurries, and he also had a penalty in that game. 
a big difference from his performance at the left guard position when he was filling in for Aaron Banks. I think he's still like, I think he's more comfortable at the left guard position than maybe the right side. And so clearly that week 12 game kind of showed that uh, hopefully the second time around, he's going to be a little more comfortable. I assume he's practiced there this entire week. Um, but still, with Leonard Williams and Boye Mafe handling that side of the line, it, it's a tough task for John Feliciano and also for Colton McKivitz. So that's my one and only cautious matchup in this game for the 49ers. But let's look at the favorable matchups for the 49ers because there are so many, <laughs> even still, right? There were before Week 12 and after I saw Week 12. I still feel pretty good about those favorable matchups, even with the injuries on the 49ers side. So let's get into it um, here. Steve-O says, uh, what's the scouting report on Seattle's head of security? Man, you know what's crazy is we we never even know the names of any other team's head of security. We, we'd never even know. Um, <laughs> and so... Hopefully we we don't see any of that stuff happening uh, this week. I'm actually surprised NFL, at least not yet, has announced anything that they're going to do uh, to like discipline. Um, you know what's his name again? I already forgot his name. Dan or whatever. Dan or head of security for the Eagles and or Drake Greenlaw. Like we haven't heard whether they're going to do anything. I would assume Drake Greenlaw's in the clear. Um, but I would be interested in hearing if the NFL is going to do anything about the Eagles head of security. We'll see. Um, but anyway, let's get back to these favorable matchups. The first one for me. Uh, okay. So the one in week 12 was 49ers defensive line against the Seahawks offensive line. And so even with Eric Armstead out in this game, I really don't see that changing for me in week 14. I think there will be a drop off and impact maybe at that like interior spot at the three tech spot, but I don't think it'll be enough of a drop off that the 49ers defensive line isn't able to get after Geno Smith in this game. Like I don't think Eric Armstead being out is going to be, it is going to be able to swing this game for Seattle. Like, sorry, Seahawks, but it ain't happening. So in three games against Seattle last season, the 49ers tallied 61 total pressures in week 12. Just two weeks ago, the 49ers had 25 pressures on Geno Smith, headlined, of course, by Sir Nicholas Bosa, who had a whopping nine. To add some context, part of Bosa's day had at least some to do with, uh, you know, the Seahawks' preferred starter, Abraham Lucas still being out, uh, but he was out much of the season. So I guess it doesn't really matter. It was uh, Jason Peters who the Seahawks, uh, you know, picked up mid season who started at right tackle in week 12, but he didn't last long in that game. He played just 12 snaps before leaving the game with an injury. And so that's when the Seahawks third string tackle stone uh, forsyth stepped in and he gave up five pressures, two sacks, two hurries and a quarterback hit. So all that to say the 49ers are probably unlikely to see the Seahawks third string tackle in this game again. 
but I, I still feel good, I think, about Nick Bosa. Okay. Sorry, water break. I, <laughs> a lot of talking. Um, okay. So Abraham Lucas, he did start for uh, Seattle last week for the first time since week one. And against the Cowboys, he gave up three pressures and three hurries. So it was a little shaky game back for Lucas. I think, like, obviously Lucas is better than, uh, you know, Forsyth, and he's probably better than Jason Peters at this point in his career, at least. uh, Jason Peters is way up there in age, um, maybe still dealing with that injury as well. So, you know, Abraham Lucas should be able to have a better day but still like he he's going up against Nick Bosa and and again I just don't feel like it's enough to swing this game uh in the Seahawks favor like I still think this is a favorable matchup for the 49ers and I think Nick Bosa is still going to be able to have a good game like he's he's kind of been on a tear lately so I I think they have the advantage. I don't think it's going to be a shark eating frenzy like it was in week 12. Like I think Geno Smith might have slightly more time to work with, but ultimately don't think it's going to be enough to overtake the 49ers defensive line. They've just been playing too good. And again, like I said, still, even with Eric Armstead out, I I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference for them. So wanted to throw this up on the screen for the YouTube viewers. Um, So going into week 12, the Seahawks ranked 24th in pass protection composite rating. That is just below the 49ers, who still, um, even after week 13, sit at number 23. Uh, After week 12 and 13, though, the Seahawks now rank 30th in composite pass protection rating. And so their offensive line is struggling big time right now. Geno Smith, like I mentioned at the top of the show, dealing with a groin injury, which could be tricky if he does decide to play with it. If the, you know, the, the Seahawks do decide, do clear him to play. I mean, we know that that's one of those injuries that is sometimes at risk for re-aggravation. So something to keep an eye on if he does end up playing, But it may be enough to limit his scrambling ability, which, again, would favor the 49ers if they could get enough pressure to flush him out of the pocket, which I think they should be able to do. Now, if Drew Locke plays, they will try to lean, I think, on the run game, quick throws, screens. Quite honestly, they might try to do the same even with Geno Smith. But again, I, I don't think it'll be enough. And I think the 49ers have the adjustments. Um, you know, and they have the playmakers to execute the adjustments to be able to stop that. So um, I, I think the 49ers would be able to quickly adjust and stop that game plan if it came to it. Um, the only other thing I wanted to point out here. So from a run blocking standpoint, the Seahawks actually rank ninth, which is pretty high. You'll see the 49ers are up there too at number three. The 49ers just ended up uh, or just finish playing the number one ranked run blocking composite rating team in the Philadelphia Eagles. And guess what? The 49ers defense limited them to just 2.6 yards per carry. So that being said, I, I think it's in the realm of possibility that the 49ers could stop 
the Seahawks run game again, which takes me to my next favorable matchup. Because in week 12, the one of my favorable matchups was the 49ers defensive line against the Seahawks run game. <clears throat> now, of course, Kenneth Walker was slated to not play that game. He ultimately did not. And so that was that obviously did contribute to, you know, me having that as a favor, favorable matchup this week with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet questionable. I would assume that they both play at the very least. I think uh, Kenneth Walker would probably play in, in this one. Um, and he is their best back anyway. Last season against the Niners, Kenneth Walker, week 15, had 12 carries, 47 yards, 3.9 yards per carry. Wild card game, 15 carries, 63 yards, uh, and a touchdown on the ground. But I'll just continue going back to this. The 49ers have done and will continue to stop opponents' run game. I'm going to keep believing that until I see otherwise. Maybe it takes a hit without Eric Armstead, but Kinlaw, Givens, Kalia Davis, those are all guys that I think are going to get additional snaps in this game without Armstead there. And I, I think they're going to be able to hold down the fort. Like, I'm going to trust them to do that. So there could be some, maybe more production out of the Seahawks run game compared to week 12, just because this time it's going to be Kenneth Walker leading the way. But again, not enough to make a difference in the outcome of this game. So I'm going to keep that as a favorable matchup. I'm tempering my expectations a little bit. I'm not assuming it's going to be the same as week 12, but 49ers should still be able to uh, take advantage of, of that matchup in this one. Now, this next one is probably my favorite matchup and one that I don't think has changed at all for the 49ers side. Uh, you know, hasn't changed with injuries, hasn't changed with the way that the 49ers offense has been playing or the Seahawks defense has been playing. And that is the 49ers playmakers against the Seahawks linebackers. The 49ers had a field day against the Seahawks linebackers in week 12, and I expect that to continue for them. The Seahawks defense was given up an average of, is given up an average of 5.3 catches and 54.9 yards to tight ends. Last week, uh, Cowboys tight end Jake Ferguson had 77 yards receiving. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that George Kittle is a better tight end than Jake Ferguson. And so he's definitely capable of getting at least 77 yards against this uh, Seahawks team. And one little tidbit that I wanted to add here. There's a chance for George Kittle to do something really cool on Sunday, and all he needs is 11 receiving yards to do it. That would be, um, I believe it's 6,000 receiving yards in his first seven seasons. There's only a few tight ends who've been able to do this, um, and they're all elite tight ends. So George Kittle would join elite company if he's able to do that and get just 11 yards on Sunday, and I think he could do it. Again, going out on a limb, I think he could do it against this uh, Seahawks team and these set of linebackers. Um, but hey, like I, it isn't just Kittle who I think could benefit from this. I think Christian McCaffrey can too. Um, 
you know, actually, like going back, I was actually surprised that Kittle only had 19 yards in week 12. Like that just doesn't even seem right. Uh, Debo actually had the most receiving yards. He had 79, uh, followed by Brennan Ayuk with 50. But what really blew this game up for the 49ers was Christian McCaffrey, who ran for 114 yards and two touchdowns. And so he averaged six yards per carry against the Seahawks on Thanksgiving Day. And maybe the Seahawks will have a better plan to stop McCaffrey this time around. But so far, that hasn't helped many teams, uh, much less teams whose defense looks like the Seahawks. So the 49ers, I think, should have success running the football with Christian McCaffrey once again. Remember, Elijah Mitchell's not going to play in this one. Jordan Mason, maybe, you know, Kyle throws him in there for a few plays uh, just to, you know, give McCaffrey some relief. Uh, But ultimately, I think the 49ers are going to be able to have their way on offense. That's that's just simply what I think. And it's all going to start with the run game once again. I really don't see how two weeks is going to change that for the 49ers or sorry, for the Seahawks. In fact, the fact that the Seahawks gave up so many points to the Cowboys just a week ago tells me that like nothing has improved with their defense at all uh, since the 49ers played them just two weeks ago. So again, 49ers expect them to have their way against this Seahawks defense. Now, the other matchup that I can't wait to see in this game, and of course, I'm going to call it a favorable matchup, is Mooney Ward going up against DK Metcalf. Now, in going into week 12, I was like, I didn't call it a favorable matchup or a cautious matchup. I was just like, that's the matchup I want to see. It's going to be entertaining. But now we know. Now we know that it's a very favorable matchup for the 49ers because Mooney Ward limited DK Metcalf to one catch, 14 yards in his coverage. He had that boy locked up. So I'm expecting more of the same. Like Mooney Ward followed around Metcalf. And then the next week, he followed around A.J. Brown much of the game. And so, I mean, he he's just been strapping dudes up. And I would expect that to continue. Look, like to expect that Metcalf is, is going to have uh, one catch in 14 yards against Mooney Ward again is, is probably, you know, we're being very optimistic, but... All that to say, like, I think the 49ers are going to be able to limit the big plays from the Seahawks. They did that well against the Eagles. They've done it well against anyone. I mean, they they are still allowing the least amount of explosive plays uh, this entire season. So I think as long as the 49ers keep everything in front of them, it's going to be a good day for them on defense. And I think, you know, Geno Smith is probably going to struggle. Hell, Geno Smith, Drew Locke, don't matter. Um, 49ers uh, went in by 20-plus or something like that. But, uh, okay, another thing I wanted to point out, same thing I pointed out in Week 12, and it has not changed, is that the Seahawks shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, they're still the worst team in penalties per game, still averaging 7.6 penalties a game. They had five penalties in Week 12 against the 49ers compared to the 49ers three. Uh, and so... You know, I just think they're like a pretty poorly disciplined team right now. And so I I think that could be something that rears its ugly head for the Seahawks and it's going to help the 49ers. 
Now, as far as time of possession goes, that was another thing that I had mentioned going into that week 12 game. And I didn't check on how, how their time of possession numbers on average have changed since week 12. So apologize for that. But um, we do have the week 12 numbers. The 49ers had the ball for 35 minutes and 30 seconds compared to the Seahawks who had it just 24 minutes and 30 seconds. So this has kind of been a season long trend for the Seahawks, one that I would expect to continue. And it's a sign of a poor offense. So, you know, that's why I think the 49ers have the advantage on defense, offense, special teams too. Like, honestly, I think the only thing I'd be worried about in this game, if anything, is Pete Carroll just like playing desperation mode and trying some weird stuff like, I don't know, going for it, going for like a fake field goal, fake punt or something. I don't know. He he does some weird stuff like that. I don't trust that man. But, uh, you know, the other thing is obvious, right? Like the 49ers coming off a big win uh, against the Eagles. A lot of emotion in that one. You were on the road. Uh, you know, sometimes you could slip up a little bit and get distracted by all of that. As much as players say, no, no, we're, we're on to the next, you know, sometimes it does happen. And so you hope that the 49ers are just as focused as they were uh, for that Philadelphia game and taking that same energy into this week 14 game against the Seahawks, right? Because the job's not done. And the NFC West is kind of a hellscape outside from the 49ers, but like you still got to handle business. So as long as the 49ers do that and they play to their level, their abilities, and they don't play down to their opponent, they should be able to come away with a win and pretty handedly so. So I want to hear your guys' predictions, score predictions in the comments. You want to hear mine? Okay, so mine is 34-19. And you're probably like, yo, Steph, like, why would you give the Seahawks 19? Like, that's so generous. They had 13 uh, last time. And only six of those, I believe, yeah, only only six of those came from their offense, right? So uh, I would simply say that, well, I think you'll see a better effort or you'll see desperation from the Seahawks. And so based on that, I think maybe they'll get some something weird to happen, something uh, that doesn't normally happen against the 49ers, just because they're like, they got to dig deep into the bag of tricks to get over the 49ers hump. Uh, and so I think you're going to see maybe a weird play or two, but ultimately, you know, the 49ers, they're going to be able to move the ball on offense. Brock Purdy is going to be able to move the ball. Christian McCaffrey is going to be able to move the ball. So I have to assume the 49ers is going to score over 30 points. So 34, 19. Um, and, you know, it, I think it's going to be a, just another feel-good win on the way to sweeping the NFC West for the 49ers. Here's a here's an interesting stat, though. Stat, just interesting fact, I guess. Um, the 49 I mean, the Seahawks haven't lost four games in a row under Pete Carroll. So that's why I say, like, some weird stuff could happen. Some tricky stuff. Like, something's in that gum, you know? Like, <laughs> for Pete Carroll, he's, he's going to be – um trying something desperate i don't know i 
So he's, I don't know. I, but the 49ers at the same time, they're a really good team in November, December, January. We know this. I think they're going to take care of business. Even, even if they don't play to the best of their abilities, I think they could snap out of it and say, hey, we remembered who we were. Let's get this win kind of thing. Um, but let's just remember, against the Seahawks, it's, there's going to be moments where it feels close, too close for comfort maybe. Um, but just remember, like the 49ers are the better team by far, and I think they're going to win it uh, to the to the beat of 34-19. Lil Heater says 38-12. I like that. That might be a scoregami. Um, that's a good prediction there. Um, let's see. All right, let me – I got some catching up to do on these comments. Yes, happy Friday. Technic Sheik said, thinking about these matchups and the 94 team discussed earlier – realizing how blessed we are as fans and how awesome this team is right now. Yeah. I mean, I, it feels great to go into basically any matchup that the 49ers could have right now and think the 49ers are favorites. Like they're the better team and not just on one side of the ball, but like both all, all sides of the ball. So yeah, I'm, don't take it for granted, people. This is this is some seriously awesome times that we're living through with the 49ers. And then uh, technically, she said, even when A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith got theirs last week, it still didn't ultimately affect anything in terms of the game, game flow. Exactly. And that's why I made sure, like, in my 49K uh, Player of the Week show, I made sure to give flowers to both Mooney Ward and Amber Thomas because – even though AJ Brown and Devonte Smith both went over a hundred yards in the context of the entire game, you know, that that didn't really amount to any difference for them on offense. Like it really didn't. So again, limiting the big plays is the key for the 49ers and it's been for their defense. Ben don't break. That's what they've been doing and it's been working for them. And, and then they kind of like lay the clamps on them. So you know, if you see a successful drive from the Seahawks early in the game, don't panic. Don't panic. You know, Steve Wilkes got a plan for that, probably. So, all right, guys, I, I feel good about this matchup. I'm going to be in the building on uh, Sunday. I'm going to be heading out there tomorrow, and uh, I'll be there. So if you see me, say what's up. And uh, hopefully, uh, I won't have a show on Monday. Won't be doing that. Me and Weston are going to be doing the 49K Player of the Week show on Tuesday afternoon, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific. So make sure to tune into that. I'll be flying back from the Bay Area on Monday. So no shows on Monday. Um, but make sure that you guys like the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. And hopefully we're talking about a 49ers win in week 14 um, next week. So for now... Have a good rest of your Friday, folks. Peace.